Coming up tonight, dire straits at BPL. The nation's leader says major decisions are on the way as it relates to Bahamas Power and Light. Plus, the opposition leader calling into question the Davis administration's plans for BPL. He believes privatization is on the way. And later, a local foundation seeking to inspire and assist young women across the country. We have the details about this amazing opportunity and so much more as our news weekend starts now. This is our news weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I'm Megan Shepard. Things are heating up over at BPL as both unions apply pressure over industrial agreements. The Prime Minister himself this weekend meeting with the President and executives of the Bahamas Electrical Workers Union and the Bahamas Electrical Utility Managerial Union, along with the President of the Trades Union Congress. Following those meetings, the office of the prime minister issuing a statement reassuring those leaders there will be no layoffs of workers at BPL. While at a charity check presentation today with the Atlantis Resort, reporters pressed the prime minister over the matter, where he gave assurances BPL industrial agreements will be honored, as well as other commitments including pension benefits. He then gave this preview of future announcements about some major decisions relating to power security. We are on a dire street as to where BPL is now, and we are about to do it. There's some, there's some misinformation that, uh, that's, that's out there about what we're going to do. And so I thought it was important for me to meet with the union members to assure them of what we're going to do, and in due course, sit with them again to ensure that they appreciate the details of what we are. The meeting was very cordial, very... Um, they were very firm and adamant of what their positions uh, would like to be, um, but they also understand what we have to do and there will be a meeting of demise, no doubt, on the way forward. The Prime Minister also foreshadowing training and upskilling of specialized line staff at BPL. His comments included references to modernizing the electricity infrastructure to meet the goals of energy reform, lowering costs for families and businesses, increasing reliability and using cleaner sources of energy. Our news asked the Prime Minister if Bahamians could see the privatization of BPL anytime soon. No, no, we're not privatizing BPL. What we, we will bring in some strategic partners for the purposes of being able to find the necessary funding that we, the government, don't have to arrest some of the issues that we have. And it's a, it's a, a lot of money that's required to fix BPL. And we have to find an innovative and creative ways to get that done. While the issue of privatization of BPL also getting the attention of the opposition today. In fact, the Free National Movement questioning the Davis administration's plans on addressing concerns raised by the Bahamas Electrical Workers Union at Bahamas Power and Light. The criticism coming a day after the prime minister met with both unions, assuring them that their industrial agreements and commitments are going to be honored. At a news conference today, party leader Michael Pintart says, he believes the government is moving towards privatizing BPL. They are making decisions and signing off on agreements that the Bahamian pe people are absolutely unclear on what they're doing. But it's safe to say that the Davis administration appears to be privatizing BPL without a candid discussion with all stakeholders. If you would have had a chance to read his 
press release that just came out moments ago, he talked about his administration's commitment to consult with all stakeholders. Well, he didn't do that. Now, it was his party, the Free National Movement, which privatized Patelco, now BTC, in a very controversial sale to cable and wireless back in April of 2011. When asked if the FNM agrees with privatizing PPL, Pintard had this to say. We are categorically against what the government is doing. Let me start there. We are, because we don't even know entirely what they are doing behind the scenes. Were it not um, were it not for one of the actors reaching out, you would still have in the rumor mill many versions of the story of what's going to happen behind the scenes. Any future of BPL must be preceded by a request for proposal that clearly outlines what the government is seeking uh, to accomplish. Now, the Bahamas Electrical Workers Union also issuing a statement late this afternoon expressing their strong disagreement over a government proposal for foreign companies to manage and oversee or maintain BPL. You can read that full statement on the Our News Bahamas Facebook page. And we will have more on that story tomorrow night, starting with our news at 7 p.m. Meantime, funeral directors nationwide are sounding the alarm as the funeral industry faces unprecedented challenges of oversaturation, prompting urgent calls for a moratorium to stem the tide of new licenses amid fierce competition and pricing wars. Amidst growing concerns over an oversaturated funeral industry, funeral directors across the nation are urging for a moratorium to be implemented. The call comes as funeral homes struggle to keep up with demand amidst an influx of new establishments and increased competition. Managing Director of Demerit's Funeral Home, Llewellyn Astwood, is calling on government to intervene. It's just like any industry. You know, if you're not operating on economies of scale, then you're going to be on balance. And right now, we're tipping the scale well. We're going the lower end because you have persons who are just coming in and they're using a penetration cost or penetration price scheme and they don't actually know what their long-term business expenses are going to be. So a lot of them end up in the hole. Industry professionals are also highlighting the need for regulatory oversight to ensure ethical practices and standards are upheld across the board. Now, there have been reports of unscrupulous practices by some funeral homes, further tarnishing the reputation of the industry as a whole. Vaughn Jones, a veteran funeral director with over three decades of experience, shares his concerns. We want to regulate it properly whereby we utilize the expertise of those who have been educated, those who have went off to mortuary science school, who will set the foundation for for, for, for the industry. The call for a moratorium aims to address the pressing issues by temporarily halting the issuance of new licenses for funeral homes. This would allow existing establishments to regroup, stabilize, and focus on providing exceptional care to families during their time of need. Now, we spoke to president of the Funeral Directors Association, Kersha Ferguson, regarding his feedback on the matter. Unfortunately, what we're seeing now fatal in the Bahamas is that persons who are not properly trained or qualified to render service is doing just that. And they are being sanctioned by the government through the licensing authority uh, of inland revenue to hold a business license and to open shop. So all those things needs to be addressed before we even consider 
trying to limit competition. In less than two weeks, RF Bank and Trust will host the 2024 RF BO Economic Outlook Conference, themed Age of Intelligence, Harnessing the Power, at the Grand Hyatt Convention Center. Set for March 13th, the conference will focus on current geopolitical and economic trends, along with global forces shaping our future. Vice President and Head of Investment at RF Bank & Trust, David Slatter, during a recent sit-down interview with our Italia Hall says, there will be a dynamic group of speakers. It's going to be a great conference. We're expecting 200-plus uh, uh, business professionals. If you want to network with the decision-makers in the economy, you should be there. If you're young and you're an entrepreneur, there's a reason to be there. If you're old and need to uh, trigger that curiosity that you used to have, you should be there. We have the conference here in the Bahamas, and then two days later we do it in Cayman. Okay. And in both, both jurisdictions, it's, it's, uh, a lot of people have it on their calendar. They look forward to it every year. So in addition to those speakers, there'll be a speaker during the lunch as well. So it's now a full-day event, and it's really it's designed to, to to provide information, but also to provide people with an opportunity to network. James Carey re-elected for his third year as the Grand Bahama Chamber of Commerce president. Carey tells us he's pleased with the progress and recovery Grand Bahama has seen in the past three years. In my assessment of the last two years, although it started a bit slow, it has been a tremendous amount of fun. It's provided opportunities to interact and uh, more importantly for the chamber is to promote uh, new business and the advancement of existing business in Bahama, which uh, seems to be getting some traction finally. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty delighted about all of that. The recent Grand Bahama Business Outlook highlighted a number of things to look forward to on the island, like Carnival's $600 million project currently underway and new plans for the Grand Bahama Airport. The Chamber President shares his thoughts on that progress and where the Chamber's focus will be. And very positively, I believe Grand Bahama is on the cusp of great things to come. We continue to push business, particularly small business, uh, and when I say small business particularly because generally small business lacks the resources to push themselves uh, as much as they want to. So uh, we'll continue with that. Uh, we will up our game in terms of encouraging and providing assistance with uh, technology, um, i.e. the utilization of technology. When our news weekend comes back from the break, a recent mental health assessment revealing that a number of children are playing dual roles in the households across the country. We'll tell you how. Plus, a local church, the recipient of a labor of love. We've got the details on the Hearty Give Back initiative when our news weekend returns. Are you or a loved one under medical care? Do you need affordable medical supplies? Ports International is the largest home health care supplier. Medical supplies at the very best price. And you can even shop online. From hospital beds to wound care, wheelchairs to walkers, Ports is a one-stop shop for your medical supplies and we accept insurance. We have online shopping and two locations to serve you at the Airport Industrial Park and Shirley Street. We also ship to the Family Islands. Shop online and visit us on Facebook. Call Ports at 377-1771.
A recent mental health assessment by the Ministry of Education in the Family Islands has uncovered a troubling reality for children who officials found are playing dual roles in the household. In a recent tour by the school psychology unit, assessed over 150 students, some of whom were found to be breadwinners for their families. Unit Supervisor Antoinette Lewis-DeVoe. Coming out of COVID, uh, with a lot of them who had to work and survive, had to support their family. That was the issue. So now you have to draw that line between I'm going to school, especially in the junior and the senior high school students who have to go there and work, who have to help that single parent. And so they're taking on dual rules. So you have a child who have to be a child when they reach in school and then have to be an adult when they reach home. She says they also found other students were found dealing with grief. We don't realize, we think that kids don't feel grief, but a lot of our kids, and grief is a meaning the death of somebody, it could be the loss or the separation of an individual. So that plays a whole, um, that also plays a, uh, has an impact, let me put it that way, on the mental health of our students. The Centerville Seventh-day Adventist Church gifted parcels of fresh hand-picked produce this past Friday. The donation made by the Ministry of Agriculture and Marine Resources, along with the Chinese Embassy. Member of Parliament for Centerville, Jomo Campbell, along with the Chinese Ambassador, Ching Li Dai, both pleased to hand over the fruits of their labor to constituents. Their time, resources and expertise in assisting us with agriculture here in the Bahamas. Uh, what has happened is with a very small parcel of land in the Gladstone Road Agricultural Center, these experts have been able to produce exactly what we see behind us here today. We each tried a fresh tomato <laughs> that the, the two experts have grown and picked fresh from their fields yesterday. And we all felt it's very, the, the tomato is, tastes much better than the ones you buy from supermarkets. They were also given sheets and pillows for those less fortunate throughout the community. Senior Pastor Dr. Michael Toot expressed his gratitude for the gifts of love. The Seventh-day Adventist Church is most concerned about alternative healthy living. And so our health brand in the community is well known. And so this has come at a very opportune time for us to become partners, hopefully on a sustainable basis, expressing and really, really flushing out all of the potential that this wonderful program can have. Still to come on our news weekend, meteorologist Ian McKinsey has a check on temperatures throughout the archipelago. Plus, it's the final day of the World Indoor Championships in Glasgow when the UB Mingos track and field team competes in South Florida. Sunday Sports is up next. When the Bahamas took center stage at World Expo in Dubai 2022, we were there as thousands got up close and personal with our story, like the unprecedented devastation of Hurricane Dorian, put center stage at Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting in Rwanda. We were there as the Prime Minister urged immediate action on climate change, an issue brought up months later at the historic 50th CARICOM meeting in the Bahamas. Because our news is everywhere, always there when it counts. This is our news weekend. Welcome back. Earlier this week, we told you a little about Dakari Turnquest, a 17-year-old from Long Island who won a major pool tournament in Las Vegas last weekend. Our Sasha Lightburn actually had a Zoom interview with Dakari and his father and shares more of his story in this report. Meet Dakari Turnquest, 
He's a 17-year-old professional pool player, but that's not all. Dakari hails from Long Island and is the head boy at NGM Major High School. Dakari won a nine-ball Platinum Division pool tournament last weekend in Las Vegas and plans to continue to take 2-4-2 to the world. I'm looking to go to a tournament in Alabama, in Birmingham. Um, the place is Iron City Billiards. Um, I forgot the tournament name, um, but it's a tournament they have multiple times a year. I'm looking to go to the next one or the one after. And also West Coast, the West Coast Pool Tournament in April in Orlando, Florida. And that's the one I won last year. That's my first international sort of win it was a it's a really good event a lot of people and and even from to this tournament a lot of people ask me if i'm going to that one because they know that's the one i won so yeah i'm i'm i'm, I'm gonna try my best to make it to defend my title he had this advice for those who may be considering pool as a profession what i would say to young um young men and women in the bahamas is that Pool is such a good game. Um, it tests your mental ability. And even if you don't want to do it professionally, you could, you know, you see people in the bar already doing it for fun. And it's a, it's a really fun game. You don't need you don't need any special equipment. All you need is <laughs> a piece of wood, basically. You don't have to get an expensive stick or anything. You know, you could find one for $30. And um, you don't need any physical like you don't need um, um special abilities like you could run fast or jump high you just need a stick and you know a pool table that's and plenty bars in the bahamas already have pool tables takari shares that pool was once only thought of as a gambling sport but now it's so much more than that the professional scene what what matrim is doing what predator is doing these all these major sports promoters they're they're they are making the game more professionalized and and more worldwide. And to be honest, I think pool is the most international sport we have because there's a lot of different people from a lot of different countries playing this. Um, I I've met I've met people from Chinese Taipei, from the Philippines, Australia, New Zealand. Um, I played a guy um, from Estonia. You know all these different countries and. It's really, pool is really growing. And Akari's father was not short on words, despite him doing so well at the Vegas tournament and with expectations for him to continue to play in future tournaments, support is needed. I, I, I still would like the, the, the government to try help us because these trips are extremely expensive. And, and we are, we are, to me, he's an ambassador to the, to, to the Bahamas. Because we, we have the flags and he wears all, all the Bahamian um, uh, colors and everything. Reporting for our news, I'm Sasha Lightborn. Thanks so much, Sasha. Well, Bahamians in action on the final day of the World Indoor Championships and UB's track and field team competes in Florida. Tage Adderley is here with our sports weekend. Tage. Thanks, Megan. Happy Sunday. Welcome to the weekend edition of Our Sports. Bahamian athletes hit the track yesterday and today in the World Athletics Indoor Championships. We have some of the results. 
Devin Charlton recorded a triumphant finish, taking home the gold in the 60-meter hurdles and setting a new world record in the process with a time of 7.65 seconds. Cruz Matelo came sixth in the same race, finishing at a time of 7.92 seconds, and she also finished a triple jump in sixth place. Ken Mullings was in the lead for a while, but he finished the heptathlon in fourth place with a score of 6,242 points, a new national record and a personal best for him. Donald Thomas also competed today despite the recent loss of his brother. He jumped 2.37 meters in the high jump to come sixth place. We're sticking to the track. The Mingos competed recently in the Sunshine State. UB competed in the St. Thomas University Elite Invitational last weekend. The squad had a couple of notable finishes. The 4x400 meter relay squad of Dennis Williamson, Donnie Roberts, Levine Joseph, and Trent Strawn came in second in a time of 3 minutes 21.14 seconds. Joseph also came third in the 800 meters. Brianic Strawn also came through with some hardware, picking up silver medals in the 100 and 200 meter events. It was okay, I stopped, but all I gotta do is work on my finish more, and I'll be just fine. Yeah, Brainy, I plan to improve my 200 meters the most, especially the last 20 meters. Finishing strong. Coach Edna Roll liked what he saw out there. This is our first international meet. I'm really pleased with that. We had a lot of uh, persons in the top three positions, so that was really good. Um, I think we're going to have a great season this year. It's a small team this year, but it's a real, really strong quality team. And that's what I'm really focusing on now going forward, rebuilding this, this uh, track and field program here at the University of Miami. And just like that, we are all done with sports for the weekend. I'm Tage Adderley. Have a wonderful week. Thanks, Tage. And we also want to extend congratulations to Devin Charlton as she set a new world record in Glasgow in the 60-meter hurdles. Charlton securing that record in a time of 7.65 seconds. On the other side of this break, opportunities for women in entrepreneurship on the way. We'll tell you how you can benefit. Stick with us. Are you or a loved one under medical care? Do you need affordable medical supplies? Ports International is the largest home healthcare supplier. Medical supplies at the very best price. And you can even shop online. From hospital beds to wound care, wheelchairs to walkers, Ports is a one-stop shop for your medical supplies and we accept insurance. We have online shopping and two locations to serve you at the Airport Industrial Park and Shirley Street. We also ship to the Family Islands. Shop online and visit us on Facebook. Call Ports at 377-1771. Welcome back. We are officially preparing for the week ahead and to help you plan any outdoor activities, meteorologist Ian McKenzie joins us from the Weather Center with a check on temperatures around the country. Ian. Thanks, Megan. Good evening, Bahamas, and welcome to your Sunday evening forecast. Currently outside our studios, we have thunderstorms with a temperature of 75. Our winds are from the east-southeast at 12 miles per hour with a comfortable feels-like temperature of 71. Current temperatures across the country at this time in our nation's second city, Freeport, we have 74, also in Marsh Harbor, 75 in Alistair and in the capital, as well as Governor's Harbor, 77 in Great Harbor Key, and 76 in Nicholstown. Continuing with 75s in the Central Bombs in Camps Bay, as well as Arthurstown, 76 in Georgetown, 78 in Deadman's Key, 73 in Coburn Towns in Salvador. For the Southeast Bahamas, we have 79 in Duncan Town, 77 in Colonel Hill and Delectable Bay, Auckland, as well as Abraham's Bay and Providentialis, 79 in Matthew Town in Agua. 
first look now at a satellite and radar imagery where we have a plume of moisture pretty much across the entire chain of islands. This is all associated with the mid to upper level system as well as a park stall frontal boundary just north of our area. Boating forecasts for the Northwest Bahamas, we have a caution in effect. Winds will be southeast to south, 10 to 15 knots. Seas 2 to 4, but up to 6 feet offshore and easterly swells. Low tide tonight at 7.03 p.m. High tide at 1.43 a.m. tomorrow morning. Central and southeast Bahamas, an advisory in place. Winds will be east to southeast, 15 to 20. Seas 4 to 7, but up to 9 feet offshore in those easterly swells. Extended forecast, we're looking at showers to continue into tomorrow. Some gradual clearing throughout the course of the week but we should see some stable, beautiful weather by the end of the week. We're looking at those high temperatures getting around the upper 70s into the low 80s, which are low temperatures creeping up into the low 70s. That's a wrapping evening forecast. Make it a great, safe, fun night, everyone. Thanks, Ian. While the Fox Foundation is seeking to inspire and assist young women across the country, the foundation recently launched a new program that focuses on enhancing existing businesses or business startups. The Women's Entrepreneurship episode, in recognition of International Women's Day, will offer grants to women ages 16 to 35. Ten women will be selected on March 18th. Fox Foundation co-founder Adriana Fox says the program will also provide mentorship and networking opportunities. I've recognized the issues young females between the ages of 16 and 35 face to getting business started or even expanding their business. Um, and I want to be able to assist persons with that um, because I can understand and I can relate to it um, that it is a hard it is hard to actually get your business started off the ground and even if you have a good business and maybe you may fall on financial burden and need the assistance and I think if we can do more of that and have more females assist females in getting that job done, um, we may have more better citizen and better female entrepreneurship. Fox says they have received 20 applications since launching this week and the application deadline is March 8th. Shanice Carey and Melissa McCartney of the Fox Foundation share more about the process. Interested young women can apply for the event by submitting an application that can be found on our Instagram and Facebook page. And also they can send a 90 second video stating who they are, what their business is and how the grant can further advance their business to our Fox Foundation email, which can also be found in our bio. Well, we'll have a diverse um, group of professionals who will be on the panel for a thorough evaluation process whereby we're looking for innovative ideas, um, the impact on the business community, their financial understanding of their business, their commitment and passion for entrepreneurship. Awesome initiative. Thank you so much for joining us for our News Weekend. On behalf of the entire team, I'm Megan Shepard. Have a safe and wonderful evening.